0: Welcome back to our all-new Industry Spotlight Series on the Connection Tech Experience podcast, Rethinking Education, Three Ways the CARES Act Can Support K-12. The Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act was passed by Congress and signed into law on March 27, 2020. This over $2 trillion economic relief package contains over $13 billion earmarked for K-12s across America. I'm your host, Penny Conway, and on part one, I sat down with Pam Olick to talk about building a return strategy and how you can leverage the CARES Act to do so. Today, we continue this conversation addressing accessibility while social distancing, asking the questions of how we overcome accessibility and equality challenges in a distance learning environment. Nearly 99% of our students and teachers have turned their homes into classrooms. Now more than ever, we're all looking for the tools to accomplish the goal of distance learning. HP is here to help. We offer customized bundles that include everything from laptops, monitors, accessories, and printers, with flexible payment options and warranty services. Let us help you improve your students' outcomes while protecting them with the world's most secure PC and printers. Contact your connection account manager today or learn more at www.connection.com/hp. So, Pam, welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you here today for segment two of our CARES Act and K-12 series. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Why don't you take a minute, Pam, for those who maybe didn't catch episode one, to just introduce yourself, what you do here at Connection, and a little bit of your background.
1: Yeah, so my name is Pam Ollick, and I am an educator. I spent 10 years in the classroom and managing instructional programs for a very large district here in Florida. I'm a certified project manager, and my experience includes implementing anything from hardware to software to professional development programs. Excellent. So a real expert in the
0: house, we were just chatting behind the scenes about how Pam's a true subject matter expert, and sometimes even the questions I ask a subject matter expert, I worry that they're going to quiz me on. So Pam rested me assured, I don't think that as a teacher, you can also correct my grammar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and in using using non-real words. I don't um, have my
1: red pen with me. Hang on.
0: <laughs> you can just red pen across the screen over my face. OK, so we're going to get into segment number two. For those of you who may have missed it, we covered segment number one in our last episode, which was all about building a return strategy to have a flexible in classroom to distance learning plan. Pam covered that very nicely, gave some tips on how to leverage the CARES Act. So you want to go back and listen to that if you missed it. On today's episode, we are going to be really talking about, as I mentioned in the intro, how to address accessibility while social distancing. And I really just want to get right into it because we know, one, with children, social distancing seems like a very counterintuitive measure, especially if there's a return to school. But specifically around it, the problems that we're going to Face from an accessibility and learning equality standpoint while we are out of traditional classrooms and I worry that sometimes students, and you might obviously feel the same way, students that are out of sight are sometimes out of mind, specifically maybe students that have learning differences, special needs, or are on IEP plans or something of the sort. So why don't we just, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts sort of on the situation that schools are going to be facing with this accessibility issue and overall some of your general thoughts on how we might be able to tackle it. So why don't we get right on into it? Sound good? Perfect. All right. So uh, what have you seen so far? Schools, like we said in our last episode, adapted so quickly to the distance learning. How have they adapted to the the students that need that more attention or had accessibility issues or learning differences? Is there a gap? How has it been
1: covered? What have you been seeing out there in the education space? Well, every state and every district is going to be a little different in how they address that. But I will say that a lot of states have clearly indicated that they expect schools to continue providing services to students who qualify for those. So some of the struggles we've seen is while those services are can be provided, how do you substitute in a remote learning environment a one-on-one session with the student who might need verbatim reading? Mm not only is that a struggle for the teacher to kind of learn that technology, but it becomes an issue for the families and the student, because now that student who could be learning from home is going to need a parent to help facilitate some of that learning. So that's really a challenge that districts are really trying to figure their way through right now.
0: From a a personal opinion, do you think that this is something that can be, I don't want to say easily solved, but do you think that technology is something that can solve this problem or do you think that that one-on-one interaction within a classroom is pivotal to be able to continue students student learning and you know address the needs of individual students
1: i'm actually going to say both of those things. I think there really can be no substitute for the relationship building that happens in a classroom with a one-on-one with the student. Sometimes, you know, students who kind of have those special needs, they may become like attached in a sense that they feel comfortable with the person that they're learning from and might be more ready to accept that help. And I think in a remote situation, that makes it more difficult. The advantage we have here is that this remote learning happened in like later in the year. So those relationships were already built. So just looking at the number of required minutes and the number of students that some of, you know, special ed teachers have to accommodate for, you know, it really is a scheduling juggle. But I also think there's a lot of opportunities with technology and learning the different accessibility tools that are available with technology. So I think it's really, it can go a long way to solve the problem, but I don't think the technology is going to be able to solve every part of that.
0: Now, we are a technology company and we always like to, you know, talk about a popular thing, which I actually think one of our K-12 through podcasts we did on bullying and vaping, we kind of said that this isn't a technology problem necessarily, but technology can solve it. And we've seen technology make great strides in accessibility and learning needs and connecting students with the information and access that they need. You know, when we look at from a a resource or a tool perspective, based on your experience and what you see out there, what are some of the tools that schools should be taking advantage of to sort of bridge the gap between, you know, those maybe reading or writing or, you know, soft skills that need to be learned. What kind of tools would you suggest, you know, schools really look into to help with the accessibility
1: piece of this? I think some schools already have those tools embedded in digital adoptions, such as their online textbooks and other learning platforms that they may have. Some of them have the ability to have text read to a student for students to be able to highlight text digitally. So I think it's, you know, some districts already have those resources. They just need to dig in a little deeper and learn what those are. I also think that districts really should take a look at some of the tools provided by Microsoft, for example, who has some free tools for all learners like accessibility with immersive reader. They have translator that can help communicate with families, uh, with students who don't speak English as their main language. So I think there's a lot of free information and resources out there that school districts should be looking into to help students at home.
0: I like that you mentioned Microsoft. I actually was, I'm going to be a little personal here for a moment. Last week, I felt incredibly overwhelmed by being on my computer, what felt like 24 hours a day working, having a screen in front of me. And while customizable options like I can make my toolbar hot pink, I can make my desktop image, whatever I want it to be. I felt like it was a lot of noise all around me, like in addition to trying to get something done. And I happened to be in my settings working on something else and found like the high contrast setting where you could set it to light mode or dark mode. And it just made everything like if I opened up a spreadsheet, it removed all of the colors and any highlighting and different fonts and just made everything black and white, very easy to see on my screen. I worked like that for a week and then I got my office, my Outlook 365 analytics, this week. And it said that I was like 30% more productive last week than I was the week before. I don't know if it's a direct correlation, but I felt like I turned all my colors back on this week and just looking at it now, like seems very overwhelming. And I can see for a student, like so much noise on a device, being able to take advantage of a tool like that to just shut it off, let your eyes like focus just on what you need could be a make or break to a student actually being able to focus and pay attention and and have the the tools in front of them to not get distracted. So I just thought I'd share that personal story.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of technology, you know, out there, again, that can help support those students. But I think it really is a a task for districts to, you know, kind of develop a program of how they want to approach those different learning needs and make sure that there's a common understanding of here's this package of tools that we want to make sure students know how to use. But then they have to deliver training, not only for the teachers, but for the parents and the students and how to access them. Because then if you're with me in person in class, I can show you how to use something like Immersive Reader. But from home, what does that training scenario look like? How do we work on that?
0: Having the tools are available, but like you said, being able to have sort of that back and forth come in class, I can show you how to use it. You can go back and use it at home and that back and forth. If we're in this prolonged season, we I think everyone's very hopeful that we're gonna return to school in the fall and things will resume as normal as they can be in the fall. But if we don't, what do you think is sort of the future of those students that have special needs or on those IEPs? What's the potential risk to that portion of the student body if we don't have a good plan in place to accommodate for them?
1: I think not having a a good plan in place for districts is going to be devastating to these students' academic career. You know, learning happens at appropriate stages, and there's a reason why, you know, academics are laid out in a continuum by age-appropriate learning. So I worry for those students who may be passing that learning time and haven't learned what you know, science says that they should have learned by now. So it absolutely could be devastating for districts. I think we're going to see kind of a Frankensteining of different plans coming together. You know, maybe those students actually, you know, come into school or there are small groups or opportunities with social distancing for those. But then districts also have to look, look, turn around and look at the transportation issue. So if they're going to bring them in person, how do they solve that problem? You know, how do they bring them to the school? So I think it's really a a multi-pronged problem that districts are trying to solve right now. But to be honest with you, I don't know how quickly they're going to have an answer for it. Right. And we, in the last episode, talked about, and this whole series is
0: about leveraging the CARES Act in K-12 to help sort of accomplish some of these problems. Yeah, I'll say problems because it is. It's an unforeseen, you know, problem. I don't think any school district ever expected to have 100 percent of their students at home learning, just like corporations didn't expect to have employees at home working. But what when we look at the CARES Act and we look at the $13.2 billion that's available for K through 12. In what ways would you suggest a school really look into that funding or a district or a state look into that funding to sort of meet the needs of these kids that are at risk, either from an income standpoint and access or just a learning ability and the access to be able to learn? What would your suggestions be for them to take
1: advantage of that funding? In the CARES Act, one of the allowable expenses specifically indicates adaptive and assistive technology, which is technology that's geared specifically towards helping students with special needs. So I think that would be a great way for districts to utilize that funding. I also think that they could look at devices in terms of if every student, if they're going to have a one-to-one program, maybe a laptop isn't the best choice for a student. Maybe instead they should consider a tablet for a student, depending on the programs and what the learning outcome is for that student. So I, my suggestion would be not just for students with disabilities or students at risk. For all students, they need to really take a look and say, okay, what will provide equity? But then how can I further provide further supports to these kids who need something beyond what everybody else is getting? That's a, actually a good point. I even think about, we talk a lot about, you know,
0: having the right device and the right hands of the right user. And, you know, schools very much have been on this track to I pick one device and I deploy very broadly. And then you start to see a situation like we're in where, you know, maybe little Johnny is doing just fine on his Chromebook and he does everything fine. But then you've got little Susie that, you know, can't quite navigate all the keys, you know, wants to touch the screen because that's what she sees in front of her. So, you know, having that tablet, do you foresee schools doing some sort of, how would you suggest, you know, if if it was back in your former role, how would you suggest, you know, going about doing an evaluation of students and what device they might need in order to make sure that you are giving that accessibility that they need to have at their fingertips.
1: I think when schools look at students that need that extra support in terms of their IEPs or 504, their documentation, I think they may need to make sure that they've got the bottom line as what is the ultimate goal? What is the ultimate outcome that they want to achieve with these students by having those accommodations available? And I think they can look towards providing devices, technology based on that ultimate learning goal for those students. I think they're already halfway there. I just think that they need to maybe dig a tiny bit deeper in those meetings in the future to make sure they have the right technology for those students.
0: And you mentioned the transportation, which again is not something we totally think about when we think about a, a you know a technology solution, you know, of how students learn, but you know, identifying what students are in need of accessibility and actions to make things more equal making sure that you've dug into those plans to make sure that you're adapting and accommodating. But like you said, getting students to a place, if we are in a hybrid environment, how do we get them back and forth if it's a unique schedule or something like that? Is that something the CARES Act can can supply? Is that one of these micro grants that states could take advantage of to build out sort of this special needs transportation in a hybrid environment? So there
1: are some broader uses for certain parts of the CARES Act. So that's going to be really up to state and district leaders to determine how much they're going to really funnel that way. You know, ultimately, the goal of the CARES Act and, you know, Secretary DeVoe stated she really they're strongly encouraging districts to look for a fully functional remote learning plan. So, while that's the underlying rationale and motivation for the CARES Act funding, there's provisions for them to be able to do other things surrounding it. So, and I think that would include part portions of transportation
0: excellent. I'm happy to hear that because I think that there's a lot of enablement that needs to happen outside of the classroom and the actual learning at home. And, And the tools that we use, there's so many other points of access that we don't always think of that go certainly into a student's whole round picture of how they learn and what the future of their learning is. So I think we covered a lot in today's uh, segment two of our CARES Act, really identifying what uh, students with special needs or special learning programs, the challenges that they're facing, how schools should respond to them quickly as the results could potentially be detrimental for those students students lagging behind. And then some of the ways that we can take advantage of the CARES Act funding to maybe solve some of these, having the right device, making sure that the student's uh, learning plan is in line and they have the tools, whether it be accessibility or learning tools on their device. You mentioned the Microsoft tools. That's a a great shout out there. And then overall, how we get students where they need to be to make sure that we have a well-rounded learning plan for all of them moving forward. So Pam, I thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Next segment, we're going to dig into the fun world of professional development and how the world has changed for teachers. But I really enjoy you sitting down with me today and chatting through the issues around accessibility and equality. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Awesome. Thanks so much.